You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Locked on Pirates today on Monday, August 2nd. We are already in the month of August here in the year 2021, and it is kind of insane because I did not expect to be in August already, but here we are. I am, of course, your host, Ethan Smith, who does the most, as always. The Pirates are coming off of a two out of three series against the Philadelphia Phillies in which, you know, the earlier in the week, the Pirates and the Phillies had a deal. Um, and then they made another deal. And to make sense of a lot of the, everything that happened is, of course, Gary Morgan, who is joining us every Monday, as always. Gary, what in the world happened this week? I mean, I think we're all dead tired at this point. So much happened. Um, making sense of it's a tall ask, though. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, well, I mean, it's nice to see already that from some of these trades, especially in the game yesterday, Hawaii Park gets his first major league hit. That was fun to see. Um, we get Bryce Wilson on the mound tonight against the Milwaukee Brewers. That's very fun to see some immediate like feedback from some of these trades. But it was just realistically wild that the Pirates worked all the way up until the 12th hour. I mean, we didn't even know about the Richard Rodriguez trade and the other trade that was made alongside that until like 4.30 that day, which was yep. just insane. And realistically, I've seen people all over Twitter. I've seen everybody, like even normal baseball analysts that have nothing to do with the Pirates say, Pirates did one hell of a job. I mean, they they valued their players where they wanted to. Got, it seems like Charrington got what he wanted, and now you move forward. And realistically, you would probably be one of the first people to say this. I'm not sure, so I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I will be. Football does start this week. So most people in Pittsburgh, their mind will be elsewhere. But what is there to look forward to over these last two months, in your opinion? Really, it's, it's down to individual growth. You want to start seeing um, players that matter contribute. So, um, like, when Colin Moran comes off the injured list, you, you want to see him start to look like early season Colin Moran, set up for a probable off-season trade of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, if not, he'll be Adam Frazier again. He'll be the hot commodity at the next trade deadline. Yeah, it, there's no issue with that either. And if that's what the Pirates need to do right now, just keep gaining all these prospects, as we've mentioned. I mean, I'm expecting this team to have the number one farm system in baseball next year, especially when you go get a guy like Tucapita Marcano from the Padres. He was their number five overall prospect, and he's outside of our top 30. So Charrington seems to be doing a lot of things right. Well, it, I mean, and all that was before they re, redid the ratings. So now he's in our top 30. And, you know, depending on who you believe, he was either number 11 or number five. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've even seen a couple services had him at number seven. I don't put too much stock in a lot of that stuff. You know, yeah. I, he, he's a 40 FV player. That's pretty good. Um, he's He's real close to the majors. That's important because they just really didn't have anybody close to the majors. So um, you got to have somebody come up and make an impact at some point. And between he and Park and, um, you know, a couple other guys they picked up, I I think they have a good shot to at least have next season's competitions not be so shallow. 
Yeah, and that's what I think a lot of people should be looking forward to is next year. I don't think me or Gary is telling you this team is going to compete for the playoffs next year, but you're going to see a very different Pirates team that's going to probably compete a lot more and not, you know, lose 15 to four and have John Nagowski pitching two times in four days. Um, so hopefully that won't happen. And what, a, like, to go on a sidetrack a little bit, Mitch Keller pitched again yesterday, <laughs> along with Luis Oviedo. And I don't think I've ever seen a worse duo of pitchers pitch in the same game together. And it was like, is it unfixable at this point? Like, I understand it's just one game again, but well, it's it keeps seeming that way. Let's start with Oviedo. <laughs> Oviedo is interesting. You, you pick up a role five player like him, you know his experience level isn't there. You know you're going to have to hide him for the most part. And I think the Pirates are okay with that. But you'd like to be able to throw him out there in a blowout and let him stumble through an inning here and there. And, you know, the, the goal is to get through this season satisfying the Roll 5. But you'd, you'd like to see raw talent just take over every once in a while. And when he first started this season, that's kind of what it looked like we were going to see. Raw talent that needed refined, but he could come out there and just throw his stuff by people every once in a while. We have definitely seen that go away. And uh, now if the plan is to is to put him in the minors, is he worth a 40-man spot for the two years it's going to take to develop him? I don't know that you can say that. You know, yeah. and if you DFA him to take him off of the 40-man, does somebody else pick him up for free? Maybe. And then what did you do this whole year for? You yeah, know, exactly. you can't just drop him now. I mean, like, yeah. it, it would be like, going three quarters of the way through college and dropping out in your senior year. You, you don't want to do that. Um, you you got to finish the job. As far as Mitch Keller goes, I mean, I don't think he learned anything in the minor leagues. I, I mean, Joel Hanrahan straight up said the only thing they really found with him was nothing mechanical. They changed uh, his delivery so that uh, he was using the windup instead of the stretch. That's fine. That did look like it gave him a little bit more consistency, but I'm still not seeing him challenge people with fastballs inside. And he still isn't getting his breaking pitches down and he still has no true changeup. It's, it's only a three mile an hour difference between his fastball and his changeup. That's not enough. Yeah, no, it's not. And realistically, again, is it's, it's hard not to be harsh on the guy at this point. It's like, realistically, I mean, you've been there for three years now. You've had to learn something, right? They, I mean, it's not like a lack of teaching, I'm sure. It's just kind of the Polanco thing is it's like maybe they teach him all this stuff and he hears it, but he doesn't put it to that, like fruition. And you saw that in this Philly series again, where, I mean, it's just it started right off the bat. It was like, boom, three runs. It's like he didn't even give himself time to, like, settle back into the game. And it was just it was kind of infuriating in a way just to see it. It, it is and it isn't. I mean. We, we talk about years because that's the way we as fans ingest this stuff. But he's thrown 28 starts from 2019 to now. Yeah. That's less than a full normal season for a pitcher. You know, I, we're, and we're, we're basically saying like, hey, everybody that prognosticated that this was one of the seven best players in the entire country four years ago didn't know what they were looking at, period. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what you'd have to believe in order to believe he has no talent. It's there. 
he's just not doing what he's supposed to do. I mean, I, I would tell him, uh, first of all, no more shaking off the catchers. I don't really care what you want to throw at this point because your decisions aren't giving us anything we want to see. So from now on, if Jake or Michael put down a, sing a single, you do it. They want, if they want a fastball up, it better be up. They want a fastball in, it better be in. And if I don't see that, I pull them. I mean, like, you're going to have to start giving the kids some tough love. And, and whether they want to admit it or not, Oscar Marin's job is tied to him. Yep. So make it work. Figure out, do something. Your guru, Joel Hanrahan, couldn't find anything mechanically wrong. Yeah, and that's where it's at, too, is it's crazy because then again, you also talk about another player. You mentioned Colin Moran, but another guy who's going to be on his way back pretty soon and Stephen Brault. And like you said, I think like a month and a half ago, whenever he comes back, we might as well throw a parade for the guy based on what we've seen starting pitching-wise, based on how he's going to look when he comes back. So what do you do with Keller then when he comes back if Stephen Brault is even remotely who he usually is? Yeah, and you got your hurray getting healthy as well. Yep. So, I mean, you know, they're they're – definitely going to have better options on the table. Mm -hmm. The thing is with Mitch, he's not going to learn anything in the minors and you're already what 30 some games under 500 this year. Let it go. Yeah. Let him pitch this year, finish it out this year, come into spring training, having a darn good idea of what you want to do with him. Mm -hmm. And if it's moving him to the pen, move him to the pen. A lot of people forget like Denny Nagel came up here and started in the bullpen. He stunk out loud for two years had an ERA over five. Finally, they give him a starting role. Still, the ERA is way up there. He had 29 starts in his first year. It's awful. Next year, everything clicked. Four years in, everything clicked. Yep. He came up big. The very next season, the Pirates traded him to the Braves for a haul, including you know um, Charlie Morton and a bunch of other players, Jeff Locke. And you know, it takes a while sometimes for these guys. You can give up on them if you want. As fans, I understand if you want to give up on them as soon as he does something terrible. As an organization, you're a fool if you give up on somebody like that without doing everything in your power to make something of them. Yeah, and I mean, I'm also Mr. Optimistic over here. So I am, I am thinking, like, at some point, like, I know it's, like, almost, like, torturing yourself with it. But at some point, you have to figure he's going to figure it out. I mean, you, you have to, it has to happen at some point again, even um, the announcers today. And I know like sometimes they say some crazy stuff, but you could just look at Mitch Keller and see that he has the mechanics, he has the build and he has the skill to do it. It just, he just hasn't gelled that together yet. Speaking of gelling things together though, on a much better note, after Owen Kellington signed over the weekend, the Pittsburgh Pirates have basically signed everyone in their draft pool, except I believe two players, but most of the guys that were the big parts of this draft class as of right now have now been signed. And it's funny that we mentioned before we started recording that the pirates pulled this off by getting four guys in the top 32 part baseball America in the first four picks and Kumar rocker just did not sign with the New York Mets. So this just has to add to the masterclass that Charrington pulled off here in the draft, right? I mean, it just has to. Yeah, and they went 5% over, which is what you're allowed to do without mm -hmm. getting penalized. And, um, you know, hey, so much for they're going to be cheap, right? I mean, yeah, I hate to – I don't do this very often with Pirates stuff because 
you know, it's not as though they earn it very often, but told you so. They're not going to be cheap with the draft. I mean, yeah. and they weren't. They they spent every dollar that they were allowed and even pushed the boundaries of that. And um, they got some good talent. They got to develop it now. We'll see what happens, obviously, over the course of years. But you have to just love the way they attacked it and, and how they got everything they, they could have possibly wanted. And New York, you know, they, they made a good pick. Kumar Rocker was there on the board. That's a guy you pick. And uh, I, a concern that kind of went under the radar by a lot of people was, was the way Vanderbilt was using their, their starting rotation, like during the season and in the playoffs, letting them throw 120, 130 pitches. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows what happened to those guys? And apparently it had something that the Mets didn't like when they looked at Kumar Rocker a little closer, because that's a big talent to pass on. Yeah. And I mean, uh, for what I know, based on everything with that, is he will be eligible for the 2022 draft. The Mets get the 11th pick next year, comp pick, I believe. And that's going to be, it's just interesting because then again, um, a lot of what has to go on with this Pirates draft is a lot of people said, wow, it's very surprising they went Davis, but then things started progressing over and over and over. You had the whole, are they going to take Lonnie White? Uh, is this going to happen, et cetera? And they made it happen. Now, of course, just because on paper right now that these guys are all good does not mean all these guys are going to be good. But it's something the Pirates, to me personally, from watching baseball enough and understanding the draft um, for about a good three or four years now, I haven't really ever seen the Pirates pull something like this off. And this is a good start to a rebuild. I mean, most teams, like if you'd want to start a rebuild a certain way, getting four of the top 32 guys in the draft in your first four picks is probably a really good way of doing it, as well as acquiring all the prospects you did at the deadline. And that's what I meant to ask you as well, is what was your favorite deal in terms of the deadline? Like what deal was like, this is the one that was like really good. I thought they were all pretty average, to be honest with you. Um, I The Frazier deal, I, I honestly don't think I would have pulled the trigger on. I think I would have just waited until the winter if that's all I was going to get. Um, mm. I, I would have to say the Clay Holmes deal is probably the most interesting as far as like immediate return. I like Park. Um, I, I think they have a good shot of getting something out of that that deal and i didn't even expect him to be on the table that said i was a big clay holmes guy so you know uh, i liked what he could have done for us as well for the future i was a little disappointed to see Braden ogle go uh, i really yeah. like him good big stud lefty and i think he's going to be good in this league for a good long time um but i think another thing we learned from ben charrington is when he really likes a, a prospect he really likes a, pro- a prospect. I mean, he, he mm-hmm. made a point to go back and get Gutierrez from Philadelphia. He made a point to go back and get Mar- Marcano from, from San Diego. Um, it's a guy he was interested in in the Joe Musgrove deal. So he doesn't necessarily forget. Yeah, and another one that was kind of interesting to me too and uh, that was just like what, again, it was one of those 12th hour deals that I was very interested with because it was a guy that I talked about back in January in reference to Andrew Benintendi, but the pirates have Michael Chavis now. Yeah. That's an interesting pickup to me, especially considering, I believe like he was just after Charrington left the Red Sox. Correct. No, he, he drafted him. 
Oh, he drafted. See, like now, see, Gary, this is why we bring you on the podcast because you know well, things I don't. Yeah, he was drafted in 2014. Um, good. I mean, good player. He's he's definitely not transitioned into major leagues very well. Mm-hmm. He did have 18 home runs last year, so it's not as though he he didn't get anything done up here. Um, it's just on that team, it's going to take more than batting 188 to to crack their lineup, and. Um, he has position versatility. That's interesting to me. Um, they sent him down to AAA. I kind of like that as far as like letting him get his feet wet a little bit yep. in the new organization. Uh, and to be blunt, they, they got him for nothing. Yeah. Austin Davis was picked up off the waiver wire in 2020 and they nursed him along, turned him into a, a bullpen arm, used him sparingly and flipped him for somebody else's former top prospect that, that they're going to take a shot at. I see nothing wrong with that at all. That's a win-win no matter what. And Chavis also has a ton of years of control, I believe, as well, right? Certainly. Yeah, Yeah, so that could be another interesting pickup, especially because, I mean, an influx of power and, and like, the fact that you said that he could play pretty much anywhere. Once Polanco leaves next year, maybe you're looking at your right fielder next year. It's very possible. Or if they trade Moran, he's a first baseman. He he can play anywhere. There's a lot they can do with him, and – I like that pickup. That uh, anytime you get those versatile players that have that high upside that hasn't been fully realized, Bryce Wilson's another one. To be honest, he, and it's a a pitcher that was a former top prospect for the Braves, and you know he hasn't been able to crack their starting rotation and pitched a playoff game and looked pretty darn good last year. So I mean, it, it's nice to have that kind of experience on a team that certainly doesn't have any. Yeah, and the thing is too is like with a lot of these deals, you mentioned versatility. Marcano, one of those guys as well. He's yep. a big utility guy. Hoyun Park, another guy. He's a very big utility guy as well. It's kind of good to have those kind of players because you can mix them around, move them around and stuff. And I know I we bring it up almost every time, but it's like I Cole Tucker fits in nowhere now with these moves. I, no, I just I, I, I don't see where he fits in at all. Maybe he comes up in September get some time left if he shocks the world, but I don't even think he gets that at this point. Um, but realistically over these next couple months too, like you said, I'm just looking to see what leader is going to emerge in the locker room. Hopefully it's Hayes. I think it's going to be Reynolds, but hopefully it's Hayes and an interesting um, development happened over this weekend as well. That was brought up that Ronald Acuna is now injured. Bets in the Dodgers big players have been injured for a good portion of the year. And Tatis has yet another injury as well that could sideline him for a while. I know this is probably a wacko question, but could Brian Reynolds get some MVP votes in the National League this year? He could get some votes. I don't, I'm not saying he's going to win it, obviously, yeah, but do you he think he gets get some votes? votes? But, but an MVP coming from a team that's that far back, probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I can say that he certainly surprised some people with his play in center field. I, I believe mm-hmm. they just said today he was uh, ranked as the third best center fielder as far as defensive runs saved in the game. That's that's pretty incredible, you know, for a guy that I think a lot of people pegged to someone that really shouldn't play there. Yeah. And, uh, he, he's taken to it and he's probably changed a few things as far as how they want to handle, you know, even future development. You know, I think a lot of people had Travis Swaggerty penciled in as bumping him back over to left field, but 
I, I can make an argument that Brian Reynolds should probably finish as a finalist for the gold glove this year as a center fielder. Yeah. So, and also extend Brian Reynolds, as we say on this podcast every Monday, that just needs to happen Absolutely. at this point. I don't know why it hasn't yet. If I mean, even after today, like, how about this? You just had a sour game. You lost by 11 runs. How about you give the fan base something to be happy about and sign Brian Reynolds through 2030? Like, just, I, will I, mean, say, I will say this. Over the last month, I think Ben's had enough to do. Let's yes, <laughs> yeah. Let's I, th- I think he probably definitely took a took a twenty five hour nap, like yesterday or today after everything that happened. I mean, I think it was funny too with the developments of everything at the deadline that he had that little suite where they did the draft, but they did it for the trade deadline too. And every game, people on Twitter that were at the game could see him in the window with his phone in his ear, and they're like, "Oh, this is happening. This is happening. This is yeah. happening." And I mean, I will say this too. I know there's not a big attachment to players or anything, but it sounds like you had one in mind already, but of the guys that left, who were you like most sad to see leave? Uh, Really? It's kind of hard to not be sad. Adam Frazier has gone. I I really enjoyed the way he played baseball. Um, It's, it's not as though practically I don't understand it, but you know, nobody likes to see an all-star moved out of town. Um, as far as the future goes, it's Braden Ogle all day and all night. I, that's mm-hmm. the guy. I, I, as far as Richard Rodriguez, I was more than happy to see him yep. moved. I, I think he was trending down. I think the Braves will regret that trade um, regardless of what the Pirates got back, you know, as far as their performance goes. I, I think Richard Rodriguez in that ballpark is going to be an absolute nightmare. Mm-hmm. So you know, he's a, he's a fly ball pitcher to begin with. And I just don't see that park holding as many as PNC did. Uh, yeah, neither do I. Um, speaking of though, who do you think outside of the pirates was like the biggest winner at the deadline? I, I know it's oh, probably yeah. a very obvious answer, but like, no, it's, it's so hard to say because uh, really did anybody change their position? Really? I don't think so. I, I think the, the Dodgers um, did what they always do. They, they brought in so much that they're not going to be able to find places for all of them to play. Yeah. And so they'll, they'll never really maximize all those names they brought in. Uh, as far as like total impact, Max Scherzer will have, you know, a, a fair share of impact on that team, but that's once a week, you know, I think Chris Bryant to San Francisco is a perfect fit. I think uh, if their pitching holds up and continues the way it has and they win the division, they've got a good, as good a shot of, as anybody of winning. Um, if they get stuck in a wild card, they don't have the pitching to hang. So it's definitely important they win that division if they want to go anywhere. But I, I think Chris Bryant will probably have the biggest impact of anybody. Yeah. And I mean, I saw a lot of people really enjoyed the hobby bios trade to the Mets because it kind of came out of nowhere. It was just like, oh, yeah, like, oh, they wanted Chris Bryant, but now all of a sudden they have Javi Baez. And I, I know this is funny coming from a Pirates podcast host, but poor Wilson Contreras. Like, this man just saw all of his friends for the last, like, half decade just all get traded. And it's just like him and Juan Soto were probably just looking at each other this weekend like, dude, where did all of our people go? Well, they, they were the ones that had control left. So, yep. I mean, it makes sense. And, and the Cubs will probably move heaven and earth to make sure they sign Contreras. And, you know, the Nationals have already locked up Soto. So it is what it is. Um, 
that's the way they like to rebuild tear down mm-hmm. hold on to a peg or two and see what you can do um i saw this thing coming with the cubbies back in april so i'm yep. not shocked at all and i know i even said it to you i knew they were going to tear down and um javi Baez isn't going to help the mets at all i mean no more than than lindor who is underwhelming as hell right now in, yep. in new york it um, the two of them together, uh, it's an awful lot more ego than performance. If you ask me, I, I don't see it turning out well, quite frankly. So, well, so would you say them like who would be the biggest loser of the trade headline? Then my answer before you answer is Atlanta, just because I don't understand it. I, I get well, it in a certain sense that the Mets are only up by like three or four games, but. Are you really doing this much just to basically maybe make a wild card game or maybe make the playoffs? I think anybody that outside of the West who thinks they're getting a wild card spot is delusional to begin with. Yeah. So if you don't think you can take the division, then don't do anything. Uh, the Braves, uh, I think, were relatively smart about most of their pickups. They got people that will also help them next year. Mm-hmm. Um, which is when they'll really need the help when Acuna comes back and they needed a replacement for, um, you know, Ozuna. And I think they took care of that Uh, pitching. I think they probably could have done a little bit more to make sure that they were bolstered for next year. Um, I wouldn't have moved Bryce Wilson. I I really wouldn't have. He's young enough that I think they should have tried a little bit harder with him, but um, like, Honestly, they have Richard Rodriguez next year. I don't think he's going to be good, but they certainly do. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they're trying to address next year as well. Um, the Phillies, I didn't really understand. But, I mean, the Mets really didn't try either. They went no. and got Baez. And, and, okay, that's fine. But you got plenty of guys that can hit home runs and, and, and hit 215. They need pitching. Without DeGrom, they're going nowhere. And, uh, and like you said, too, I, mean, I think you tweeted it at some point this week, and it was during the Pirates-Brewer series, you said the Brewers are the only team outside of the West that probably has a chance at winning the National League. Yep. And I completely agree. What other team outside of the Brewers, outside of California, has the pitching to contend with those three teams? Yeah, Unless no. the Mets have DeGrom. If the Mets have DeGrom, maybe. But then it's like that's even still a strong maybe because are you really getting what you want out of Taiwan Walker and um, what, who's their other big guy? DeGrom, Walker, Yamamoto, right? Is that their third guy? Stroman. Stroman. Marcus Stroman, yeah. yeah. Like, are you really banking on that? Like, I would rather have right now, I'd rather have Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta than those three. Yeah, or I, I mean, they should have gone and gotten a guy like Tyler Anderson or somebody mm-hmm. like that that really could have helped them out. They, they didn't, so so be it. You know, and maybe DeGrom will get better. But if DeGrom does get better, okay, well, they're going to win a division. So they're going to mm-hmm. go into a divisional matchup, and they're going to use DeGrom twice, and they're not going to have him when they need him. <laughs> yep. He can't pitch every game, mm-hmm. and, you know – We'll see. I, I just personally don't think that anybody outside of California really has a shot this year in the NL. So, Which is funny, too, that you brought up Tyler Anderson because that whole fiasco with the Mariners, I don't know what in the world they were trying to think here with trading Kendall Graveman. And then, oh, okay, well, let's just go trade for Tyler Anderson. That'll make everything better, right? Like, what a way to make your entire – and the the timing of it was just so awful. Like, this is coming from an outside source here, obviously. I don't follow Mariners baseball very closely. But when I look at standings, I look at the standings every day, and I see the Mariners are a game and a half out of the wild card. 
and then you trade Kendall Graveman to the Astros. I, I was like, what kind of sense does this make? Like the Anderson, I love Anderson there for Seattle. I think that's a great pickup for them if you kept Kendall Graveman. Because if Anderson goes six or seven innings and he throw another guy in there to set it up for Graveman, they could very well make the wild card. But now yeah. you you did that, and it's like this kind of just was like a one step forward, two steps back kind of thing. And, and like another team, too, that I think kind of did that was the Blue Jays. They made some decent deals getting Barrios and Soria, but then you got rid of Simon Woods Richardson, which I thought was insane for them yeah. to do. And I was I like, I didn't like that deal at all no. for them. Um, the, the funny thing with the Blue Jays, or it's really, it's really Joaquin Soria. That dude goes every deadline somewhere. Yep. <laughs> I mean, for, for like 10 years now, he, he goes at the deadline and he's always just a non-factor. I mean, it mm-hmm. really just, he, he pitches well, but he, he's just never done enough that everybody's like, oh, we got to keep this guy. Um the Blue Jays didn't move much for me. The Yankees added a, a ton, but I don't think they fixed their problem. Their problem is on the mound. It, it must be a New York thing where they just don't pay attention to what actually is wrong. They just yep. want to get more people that are going to hit home runs, and they don't really think about the actual issues they're facing. Their 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 issue is they're paying $300 million to a guy that can't throw strikes anymore. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, you're also paying guys like Giancarlo Stanton and other guys that, for for better or worse, they hit the ball out of the ballpark very easily, but it's kind of easy to do that when your right field porch is 300 feet. I mean, yep. no offense to any baseball player, I probably can't hit it 300 feet, but, like, how much does that help you in the playoffs if you're on a road wild card game, which is, to me, their peak at this point based on how the AL is built, and the crazy part about this, Gary, is everything we brought up, this isn't even like half of what happened at the deadline. No. Like, I mean, no, not even close. crazy. Yeah, I mean, and I saw MLB.com ask people, like, was this the craziest deadline that we've had in a long time? And I'd say theoretically, yes. Um, it's pretty insane. Um, and for the Pirates, I mean, I think they did everything they needed to do. Could they have done it a little better? I think there's an argument that, yes, they could have. I agree with the Adam Frazier thing that you said. Like, if they were going to get that kind of deal for him, they should have just dealt him before the year started. And outside of that, I mean, most of the deals they made were, like you said with the Chavis deal, and like I said with the Chavis deal, No, there's really no risk factor to that. It's only something that can go up. And Hoy Hoy Park, another good guy there, Marcano, another good guy, and everybody else, they're in the system now, and hopefully they develop into something, and we just have to wait until then. Um, As I always say, though, 2025 World Series champion Pittsburgh Pirates are currently almost 30 games under 500 heading into a series against the Brewers. Uh, There's actually an article that came out the other day that predicted the Pirates are going to win the 2027 pennant, and Key Brian Hayes is going to be the World Series MVP. Uh, I don't know how accurate that is, but um, let's not get our hopes up too much yet. The rebuild is just beginning. But, Gary, where can we find all your work? Where can people read about the stuff that we just talked about? Oh, so many places. Uh, (laughs) Inside the Bucks basement is where I write. Um, You can listen to my podcast on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network, available anywhere you can download stuff. In fact, if you can find... Locked on Pirates, you can find Gary Morgan's fan forum. 
And yeah. on Twitter, GaryMO2007. Of course, yep. And you guys know, of course, Gary already said you could find us at Locked on Pirates. You guys have been killing it on Twitter lately. I don't know what I did to deserve your love, but I guess I have it. Um, and you could, of course, follow me on Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan and breaking news on this podcast. You all know I'm a Clippers fan. You all know I love it. And Kawhi Leonard is now an unrestricted free agent. So I might be going into a slew of depression here in a little bit. Um, realistically, he'll probably resign for more money, which is how ba- basketball works. Um, but of course, we'll keep close eye on this Brewer series, keep a close cl- uh, eye on everything else. I'm hoping for more Hoy Park. I'm hoping for Bryce Wilson to have a good start tonight. Gary, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, brother.